Wouldn't we all agree that healthy communication is really complicated? I mean, sometimes we know what to say, and sometimes we know how to say it, but for many of us, sometimes the truth is we say the right thing, but more often we say the right thing in the wrong way. If you have toddlers, you've experienced this, or maybe sometimes you realize we say the right thing at the wrong time. If you have teenagers, you've experienced this. I mean, you walked into your teen daughter or teen son's room to have a conversation. You thought it was all good and it was good to go, and then it was like, holy cow, a hurricane's going on of emotion in here, and you just slowly backed out. I'm sure you've experienced that. Sometimes we say one thing, and they hear something entirely different. Married people, I bet you can identify with that. And sometimes we would say we'd been better off saying nothing at all. But sometimes we do more damage by saying nothing at all, which leads us to believe that words are complicated and words are powerful and they can move us in all kinds of directions. And you may not know this, or maybe you do because you're really smart people. On average, the average person says about 16,000 words Per day. Now, the truth of the matter is some of you are way above average with how many words you use. I mean, you're like a faucet of words that come out of your mouth, which is great because I'm kind of like that. But here's a little insight. If most of us say 16,000 words a day and the average book is about 250 pages, it means you fill about 100 books up a year which is why we really need to pay attention to our words. And it's a critical skill to learn how to use our words in the best possible way. Now, what's interesting is this is throughout the scriptures of how we talk to people, how we communicate, and how we use our words. Particularly, one individual, his name was Solomon, he was known as the wisest man of his day and of his time, talks about this all through the book of Proverbs, which he wrote. Look what, look what he says. In Proverbs chapter 11, he says, with their words, the godless destroy their friends. How powerful are words? You can destroy your friends with them. But knowledge will rescue the righteous. He says in another place, gentle words are a tree of life. Have you ever been around someone that had words come out of their mouth that was like life-giving to you? He says, a deceitful tongue, though, crushes the spirit. In chapter 16, he says, kind words are like honey. And I mean like honey on a biscuit that's hot and with butter on it, oozing over your hands. There's nothing better. Honey's beautiful, right? Sweet to the soul. That's how beautiful it is. And healthy for the body. But the passage that Solomon writes about that just overwhelms me, and when he says, the tongue can bring death or life. My friends, I just know this, that I'm wired in such a way that the words that I say can be life-giving, and I mean they can give death really quickly. What we realize just from this wise man is that words are a force, and they can be a force for good for you and your family and your relationships, but they can be a force of demise, again, for you and the people you care about. And so the next several weeks, we're going to explore this revolutionary idea of communicating with words that are life-giving. Now, I have to tell you, as we walk through this um, whole series, we're going to look at one verse, and one verse that's broken down in four parts, and we're going to talk about three parts today that's so important, it's going to take several weeks for us just to wrap our brains around it, and then we're going to look at a tool at the same time. And the tool is this. It's a, it's a publishment that it says, it's called, I Said This, You Heard That. And it's a tool to go along with what Solomon said, that we figure out how we speak well to people. And then we're going to look at this saying that Paul said that gives us such incredible 
direction. We'll come back to that in just a little while. But I want to talk about this passage of Scripture that the Apostle Paul gave us. The Apostle Paul, who created so many churches and knew Jesus so well and understood the gospel in a way maybe no other human being has understood since. He sits down and he writes a letter to this church in Ephesus to some Christians, which means if you're joining us today and you're not a Christian, you got to decide what you do with this because you don't have to do anything with it. You just might find it helpful because you know in your everyday life that words are important. But if you are a Christian, what I'm about to read, I mean, this is how we live and this is what we got to think about and figure out. This is what the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He says, Don't, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now again, if you're not a believer, you just got to figure out what you want to do with this. But this is a challenge for us that follow Jesus to think differently. Now when we think about this word unwholesome, typically, and this is the way some of us were taught growing up in church, we think about insults, inappropriate language, and if you're from the South, we think about cussing. You better not be cussing because that's not good. Now, I'll just say that's probably wise counsel. But when you dig deep into this little word called unwholesome in the original language, the standard is so much higher than just don't be cussing around other people. You see, unwholesome word is this little word right here in the Greek, and it's pronounced sapras. I think I've pronounced that right. And it just simply means words that are bad, rotten, corrupt, useless, and worthless. And if you break these, this definition down, it basically comes down to two categories of words, harmful words and useless words. So Paul says, don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. And then he says, after that, unwholesome words talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. And he has a contrast to unwholesome words. He says, now I want you to think about something that will build people up, that will help them, that's good from words, that will push them in the right direction, ultimately towards their heavenly Father. Do you know that in the New Testament, the word helpful or good words appears 102 times throughout the scriptures? Maybe in your um, Bible, it literally says edify. Edify is just another word for build someone up. And what the Apostle Paul is, he's warning against using words that are not helpful. He's warning against words that are unhelpful or useless or not beneficial. At the same time, he's warning against another category of unhealthful words that are bad or harmful or toxic. Now, for a lot of us, this seems obvious because we would say, listen, I know I'm not supposed to say toxic words to people. I know I'm supposed to be kind and say the right words to people. Here's the challenge. We know this but we don't always know how to practice this because it's not common for us to use our words well. And this is what we know, that for every one word, and this is what research has told us, psychologists have told us, scientists have told us, people, you, you found this out in your own life, for every one word that a boss or a coworker says to you that's positive, that's encouraging, that builds you up, typically we find that there are six words that are unhelpful that are harmful, they do not point you in the right direction. And you may be thinking about going to work tomorrow and this is exactly what you are going to run into. And it's weary, but it gets even more serious because some of you have children. And some of you have children that you loved and you held them in your hands and they meant the world to you. And when you think about the fact that the words that come out of your mouth towards your kids, that one is encouraging or positive or builds them up. After that, there's going to be six words that are either useless, harmful, 
tear them down, hurt them, point them in the wrong direction. It breaks our hearts, doesn't it? If you're married, if you're in a significant relationship, you think about this person, you said, I do, and for the rest of my life, and that you'll say something positive to her or him that builds him up, but you run the risk for the next six things they hear to be useless or harmful or tear them down or to hurt the value of who they are, and they are people that God loves. And when I think about this, I think about the imbalance between all the words that are positive that we say and all the words that hurt the people we love say. And I just think, you know, you jumped on here because we got to do something better when it comes to our key relationships in our lives. Now, the Apostle Paul at this point gives us this profound key insight in what to do with our words. Go back to our passage of scripture. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. It would be enough if we just read that today. Then he says, but only what is helpful for building others up. That's super helpful. Then he adds, according to their needs. Now this is revolutionary. No one thought in this way then and really no one thinks in this way now that when you speak, you think of what other people need more than what you need. Not just how I think, but I'm thinking about how you think. Because when I speak, when I communicate to the people I love, man, I'm thinking about my thoughts, my points, my opinions, and how I want to say something. Because that's the way I'm wired. I am usually not thinking about what my wife, my child, my son, my coworker, my neighbor, what they need to hear and what they're thinking about and how they receive information. And the other part of this that's so intriguing to me is a lot of that is driven by our desires. And you know this. When my desires take over, when your desires take over in our lives, it can cause us to say and do all kinds of weird stuff. And so Paul, again, he just leans hard and says, hey, be careful. Be careful what's unhelpful. Because you don't want to waste your words. They're too important. And let, don't let them be useless or not beneficial. And what I think is helpful to me may not be useful to my children at all or my parents or my grandma that needs to hear the words out of my heart that will resonate with her, her heart. And they're useless. But worse than useless, what happens when these words start to work against you? Like you're already in a tough marriage, right? And you don't want to make anything worse, but you're going to go with the same approach you've always gone with And so you're going to say what you've always said, and it just, you felt this, makes it worse. And it leaves you baffled. It leaves you thinking things like this. Hey, I didn't mean it the way you took it. Have you ever said that to someone? Have you ever thought that? Or have you ever said, I wasn't trying to hurt their feelings. They misunderstood what I was saying. Well, of course they did, because they're different than you. Or have you ever said this? That may have been what they heard, but, what that, but that is not what I said. I mean, I want to help. I tried to say the wrong thing and said I hurt somebody even more. And now my teenage son, he won't talk to me at all now. Now here, here's the challenge for all of us. I don't want to be too hard on you. We just got to figure this out. But you know this, wanting isn't enough. Figuring out and doing is what changes the direction of all of this. And this is where this temperament assessment that I talked to you about at the beginning of the message comes into play. Now, I just want to make sure you understand, because I needed to understand that that temperament is different than personality. And you probably had a personality test like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC test or the Right Path or one of those great tests, and they're fantastic tests. But that is a personality test. Your temperament, your temperament 
is your innate wiring from God, and it's unchangeable. It's the way you were born. It's the way God created you. A little bit like your voice print. You know, you have a specific voice to your, your body and your being. Your eye color, your hair color, these things don't change. Well, for some of us, this changes, and then some of us, we change it back, but naturally, we're, we're born with a certain hair color. Your fingerprint, I and mean, we've all had some kind of device that we open with our eyes or our fingerprint or in some form or fashion because it's identifying us. And these are... You know, how God created us. Now, that's different than personality. Because personality, personality evolves over time. Your personality evolves if you're born first in your family or fourth in your family. It kind of changes who you are. Your personality is different depending on what culture you grew up in. Um, if you grew up in the South versus grew up in the North, you know the South people are a little different than North people. Alabama produces pretty good football teams, but come on, Ohio State, we've got to get the next one. Another sermon for another time. Your religion changes your personality. Your life experiences changes your personality. That changes over time because we're conditioned by our experiences, and there's no doubt about that. But here's what we need to hang on to. Your temperament. What you were born with determines the words you speak. It determines what you say, but maybe more importantly, it determines how you say it, and it determines how and what you hear when other people talk. Now pause for just a minute. Are you in a relationship right now that you don't know what to say or how to say it? And the other person in your relationship is not sure what to say or how to say it back to you, and you're just banging heads? Well, I would just tell you that there are four primary temperaments that were discovered a long, long time ago by Hippocrates and some other really brilliant guys. We're not really sure who came up with it first, but we'll give credit to them in that direction. And so they're surrounded by four Greek terms, but we're going to look at them in terms of colors and shapes, these four temperaments. I just want to show them to you. All right, here's the different shapes. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at these different shapes and think about what you identify with at first. Maybe you identify with a circle or this little squiggly thing. Maybe for you, it's a cube. Maybe for you, it's the pyramid. Whatever it is, I just want you to think, what do I feel most identified by? And hang on, I know this is a little weird, and I just want you to draw whatever it is in the air. Even if you're alone, if you're with people, if you're in the car, just draw in the air. And then I want to explain to you what each of these are. So we're going to jump into a video to give some better explanations. So check this out. Yeah, so what color are you? Did you at least have a little bit of a grasp on it? Maybe you were green and you're kind of easy going, or you're yellow and you love people and fun. You're red like me, hence the red shirt, and you're a little bit bossy. Maybe you're blue and you're detailed and you've been trying to write everything down about what we're saying this morning. Just to give it perspective, um, here are all those shapes um, and the colors, well, at least the colors and names. And don't get too hung up on the names. They're Greek names. They've been around for a lot, long time. But just so you start to see a picture of this, if you take these top two colors, when it comes to being extroverted or introverted, if you're a red or you're yellow, you tend to be a little bit more extroverted when it comes to 
processing things. Are you sitting next to someone that has to say everything out loud before they can think through it all? Or maybe you're the bottom to a blue and a green and you're a little more introverted and so for you, you gotta get time alone to think through things. And when it comes to doing stuff, on the, on the left side, if you're yellow and green, you wanna do stuff with people. I mean, people are your jam, they fuel you, they give you energy. I mean, maybe you were married to someone or you have children that they just wanna be around people all the time. Others, if you're a red or a blue, you may be like, I just want to do tasks. I just want to mark off my list. I want to get things done. I really don't want to be around people. I just want to accomplish, accomplish, accomplish. And here's what you need to know. These are all valid. It's just really important to figure out which ones you are. Let's go just a little bit deeper um, today, and let's look at what yellows are. The sanguines, that's a Greek name. They have strengths, and the sanguine strengths are they're joyful, and they're encouraging, they're affectionate, they're popular, they're expressive. Those are strong strengths. Their weaknesses are they're compulsive talkers. I have a little bit of yellow in me, as you would imagine. They're loud, they hate to be alone, they interrupt, and they're scatterbrained. So that's the yellows. The reds, the reds, which we call the calorics, their strengths are they're decisive, they're, they delegate well, they're self-directed, they're confident, and they're driven. I'm pretty off the charts, red, again, that's, that's my shirt. But my weakness, and people like me, our weaknesses, we're bossy which I disagree with, but my kids would agree with. They're impatient, they're quick-tempered, they're arrogant, and they dislike tears and emotions. And just, just so you know, like the top list is me, but I don't mind tears and emotions. So it's not, you know, everything's not perfect as we describe this. But generally, this is who I am. If you're a green, this is a green strength. You're kind, you're diplomatic, you're even-tempered, you're patient and you're tolerant, but your weaknesses, you're unenthusiastic sometimes. You're indecisive, you have no sense of urgency, you resist change, and you're stubborn. So greens, you're a little stubborn. And if you're a blue, here's a blue strengths. They're analytical, they're empathetic, they're perfectionist, they're creative, they enjoy solitude, but their weaknesses, they're moody and they're critical. They're withdrawn, they're skeptical, they're insecure socially, and that, that's a blue. Now here's what's important to know. None of these colors are better than the other colors, but what's interesting is if you're a certain color, you may think your color is better than others. That's naturally the way I think, which is the problem. And that's why Paul, he leans in to say, use words that build others up, because every one of these colors has a strength and a weakness, and we all speak our own language. And the reason we don't speak other people's language, I think is just kind of a sin problem that God's gotta help us work through, and we have to think through it on our own. So, so back to this quadrant, back to this quadrant. Here's what we know. We're so different in so many ways. We've got to make sure not to do damage to each other because the tongue has the power of life and death. And if I'm a red, I cannot destroy my green child or my green friend or, or my blue friend that operates different from me. And a, a relationships are affected in all different kind of ways. And we wanted to show you this video as a great example of what that looks like. Check it out. I'm not hating on dads, but that's real. And the reason I know it's real is I've sat in that same seat with my eight-year-old son across the table. When I did damage, I had to go back and try and undo, and I'm not sure I undid it all. Or with my 15-year-old daughter that I told her whole life I loved her, and then something came out of my mouth I wish I would have never have said. And we've all experienced that. And you know this, once words are out of our mouth, we can't put them back in. And here's what we learn from all this, that your temperament determines the words 
that you speak. And that's not an excuse. We're not making any excuses. It's just true. And we don't want to ever hurt someone God's loves because of our temperament. So here's the challenge, that the words you use are the words you choose. And we've got to choose better words. And this is a huge step in following the instructions that the Apostle Paul gives us is to understand how we are wired in our temperament. But before you can figure out the temperament of your children or your spouse or your friends, you and I first got to figure out our temperament. Because if I don't understand me and how I'm wired innately by God, I can't figure out anybody else. And to do that and to be helpful to you, we're going to give you some homework today. Now, I know you all love when we give you homework because you have so much going on in the rest of your life, but the homework we're going to give you, I'm telling you, it's practical and it's a step that you can take to understand so much more about who you are and the people in your lives. Now, the assessment that we're going to give you that comes from this amazing publication, I Said This, You Heard That, um, usually costs about $12. But we have worked with the publisher of this assessment, and then we threw in some of our own resources to make it free for everybody that wants to take it in our church and outside of our church. And what's cool is it's going to take you about 10, 15, 20 minutes to take it. It took me 12 minutes to get through it. And after you take it, you're going to get a report back that looks something like this. And the report is going to tell you what your dominant color, your dominant temperament is. Like this person is a blue. Then they can start working through that. And this is such a big deal because once you know that, you'll get some more information like this readout that tells you your strengths, your weaknesses, how you hear things, how you say things, how people interpret what's coming out of your mouth. And you can start to think about how you say things to other people and actually work on it. And this is such a helpful thing because I grew up in church where the pastor would say, just do things, just do things, just do things. But he never tells how to do it. And we want to give you a step in how to do this. And just to make sure you understand, and I understand why this is important, I want to go back to our coins just for a minute, moment. And the reason and the way things are so out of bounds, because you know this, you do sit across the table from your 10-year-old child, or the woman you said you would love for the rest of your life, or your mom and dad that are still around and you only have a little bit of time left to share your words and your heart with them. And what our tendency is, is to give one positive word to a child, to a spouse, and then to drop a whole lot of unuseful words or maybe even harmful words in our lives. And dads, I'll just say to you, you know, your four-year-olds look it up at you and they want to hear from you like never before. And your spouse is looking across the table from you, hoping you'll speak into her life or you'll speak into his life. And we have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to start making more deposits in this side of the relationship cup. But this is not just, hey, I'm going to say more positive things. This is not some self-help strategy that we have. This is literally about figuring out how to build people up and point them in the best direction they can be towards Jesus. This is figuring out how we can take all of this and start doing this for the people that we love in our lives because they deserve better. And here's what I'm convinced with all of my heart, that when Jesus showed up on the planet, he brought full-on truth, and he never wavered from the truth. But he did decide to speak truth in a way that individuals could hear it. For instance, when the woman was at the well, he spoke to her in a way that she could understand it. The way he would speak to Peter at times was the way that he could understand it. And certainly the way he spoke to the Pharisees and the religious leaders, he made sure they understood it. But understanding was so important to our Lord and Savior because truth 
matters. And what if you could do this in your most difficult relationships? And I just want to recognize this. Some of you, some of you, you're here today because you're in a relationship that's, whew, it is really in trouble. And I want you just to take a minute and I want you to breathe and know that there is hope and there's a direction that you can take. For me, for example, I'm a red with a secondary yellow. My wife, Tina, she's a red, which means we're both kind of bossy, we're both kind of in charge, but her secondary color is a blue, which means she's, she needs some time alone, she needs to be organized, she needs to be a detailed person, and if I don't recognize that about her, I'm not giving her the space to be the best person that she can be, but when I do and I understand what she needs, I can love her like Jesus loved me. This is why, this is why, if you want to take this assessment, and I hope you all do, you would just simply text Lifehouse to 21,000 day. And I know we use this all the time, but this is just the easiest way we can think of to get this information into your hands. If you text Lifehouse to 21,000, you'll be able to take the assessment, get the results, and we think it's going to be super helpful. And if you're in a group over the next couple weeks, this is a great thing to talk through with your group and have conversations about your temperament and their temperament and how you all work together. And what if we could lean into? What if we could lean into? Push an unwholesome talk out of the way and understanding how to build people up according to their needs in the best way we can. So text this. Do this. And let's walk through the rest of this series figuring out how to do better in our lives with communication and relationships. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that you came into our lives to communicate truth to us in a way that we could understand. I would pray we would take your marching orders in the direction of the Apostle Paul and we figure how to build one another up and push out unwholesome talk. Lord, I pray you give all of us the courage to do this assessment and figure out what our temperament is so we can love better. And thank you for your patience and your encouragement to us to follow you and love like you do. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here today, guys. We're going to close out our service with a super encouraging song.